Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I am so glad that you are here with me today. Before we get started with today's interview, I want to talk a second about a book I recently read called Who Not How. It's by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you might know the name Benjamin Hardy. He's the author of Willpower Doesn't Work, a book that I've mentioned quite a few times When we start talking about habit formation and how do we become better at exercising consistently, in that book, he explains that your failure to adopt new habits is not because you lack willpower. And then he shows us how to set up our environment for success. And part of that process is to spend time around people whose values and work ethic and success are what you are striving for. And I really think that this is solid advice. If you're not getting where you want to go, you need to take a hard look at who and what you're allowing into your head and heart. That makes a lot of sense, right? But I wanted to tell you today about the new book that came out within the last year, I think, Who Not How. The big idea in this book is that asking yourself how you'll achieve a goal or complete a big task that might feel impossible is just the first step. Asking yourself how you'll achieve that goal is just the first step. How is good, it's an important step, but the answer to how is to find the right who's. So the question becomes, who can help me with this task? And I love this because when we start thinking in terms of who, it opens up our capacity to achieve so much more. Whether that's a runner who wants to complete a marathon for the first time, or a business owner who wants to grow their business, or a mother who wants to earn extra income while her kids are in school, you might start with how will I do this? But if you jump to the who, who do I know? Who can tell me? Who can teach me? Who knows more than I do? Who did this already? You're no longer alone. And you have someone alongside you who is a few steps ahead of you. So you don't need to make the same mistakes they made. And I think that that is huge. Sometimes when we see a coaching program and we think, oh yeah, that's so simple. Why would I pay somebody to mentor me? Why would I pay somebody to coach me for this marathon? Why, why, why would I pay somebody to do this when it's so easy? I think the thing that we forget is that you get the advantage of learning from that person's mistakes, from their trial and error. You don't have to start from scratch anymore. You can jump right ahead because they've gone through the school of hard knocks for you. So you can skip weeks or months or years of the trial and error that they went through and jump right to the next level with their solid coaching and education. Now, I'm not really trying to sell you on anybody's coaching program, but this is just something I've really been thinking a lot about lately because I think it's really powerful because it allows us to take big leaps in what we're able to to achieve. So depending on the situation, maybe that who 
has skills that complement yours, so you're not doing the parts of a task you don't enjoy. Maybe that means outsourcing, whether that's hiring somebody to clean your house or hiring an accountant instead of spending hours and hours learning how to do payroll for your small business or hiring somebody to do your social media so you're free to spend time working with customers and your team doing what you do best. Why spend time on the stuff that you're not good at or that you hate? Why spend time struggling if you can either get a coach or pay somebody to do it for you so that you can focus on the things that you like and you're good at? Now, on that note, I want to introduce you to today's guest who potentially could be one of the who's you hire to help make big leaps in what you can achieve. Today's guest is a certified life coach, a certified yoga instructor, and a firm believer that you can be happy and successful, calm and productive. Casey Edward helps people live in the moment, learn how to say no, and get out of that place where they feel lonely and empty so they can move on to relationships, work, and activities that allow them to lead their best, most fulfilling lives. Sounds amazing, right? We covered so many topics, including choosing your thoughts and the way you respond to situations, getting out of tough job or relationship situations, toxic positivity, and what that word really means, and how to make those tough life changes. I hope you enjoy this interview with Casey Edward. Welcome to the show, Casey. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Me too. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm so pumped. So I saw in your Instagram that you recently started trail running. Mm-hmm. What what made you decide to get into that? Yeah. So I am from Boston originally, but when I moved out to Colorado a few years ago, I saw that trail running was all the rage. And I can see why it's the, the trails are so beautiful and nature and the connection. And what I quickly realized was running on my flat Boston <laughs> runs was quite different because what trail running actually means out here is half hiking, half running. So it's taken a little while to get accustomed to that, but it's definitely a new nice challenge. So yeah, I saw it everywhere and I was like, let's try it. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I um... Trail running in Kansas is not nearly what it would be in Colorado either. So I totally get you on that. (laughs) And then we were talking a little bit before saying that you had a pretty bad case of COVID. I did. I did. So I am training for a marathon, my first marathon in October. And I just got back into running because I had an injury. So I just got back into it. I was starting to shed some, some seconds and some minutes off my times. I was feeling great. And you know, we're at the, what feels like at least getting into the tail end of, of cases being really bad. And so it wasn't really in my awareness. And then a few people in my circle got it. So by default, by default, by default, I ended up getting it and I was down and out for two full weeks. I've never been like that. So I knew I was going to have to be graceful with myself getting back into running. So my first run was last week and my goal was one mile. And that's what I did. And I was wheezing, but I was like, you know what? At least I can run again. So it's been a little bit of a slow transition getting back because my lungs are nowhere near near where they are, but it, it happens. So just, just starting over. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was curious about because I've heard so many people talk about just how hard it is to get back into it, just the the breathing and the heart rate and everything 
Yeah. And I think too, what I learned was physically it's, it's definitely difficult, but also we have to be compassionate with ourselves mentally because I was doing so well. And then I kept thinking to myself, I want to get back to normal, but we can't do that. I realized I can't compare myself to the past or to normal. I have to say, okay, where am I right now? And what is a challenge right now? That might be a mile now where I had just been really upping my miles. So right now a mile is that challenge and that's okay. And being really easy on myself because anyone who runs knows it's, it's easy to just be like, well, just push it one more mile, but sometimes you can't do that. So just meeting yourself where you're at is the lesson that I'm learning. Yeah. I think that's really important too, because runners are usually that super type a driven type of person. And I think it is really important, especially when you're coming back from an injury or an illness to remind yourself that this is not the time to take that approach. Yeah. This is not the time to take that approach. In fact, I've almost went completely 180 where when I have a thought that says, just push it, I say no, and I'll start walking because I know that there is a time and a place for that, but it's not quite yet. And so some days I'll be like, okay, I I can run a little bit faster right now, but let's just take this day by day, run by run and and see where it goes. But so that's exciting. So you're training for for a marathon and that means that there's going to be marathons in October, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Where, which one are you running? Chicago. Oh, fun. Chicago. Fun. And how many marathons have you done before? I've done no full marathons. I've done two half marathons and I started to, I was actually going to run Boston for a fundraising team last year that obviously didn't happen. So I was thinking, okay, well, you know, let's just do a different one. Same fundraiser, might as well try to get into it. So we're going to, we're going to do Chicago. It's a nice little trip somewhere I've never been. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great. And good luck. First marathon is a big deal. Oh, I know. I I don't think it's hit me yet. <laughs> and finding so far, maybe not now that, I mean, you're probably early in your training since we're talking October, but are you finding yet that it's different from training for a half marathon? Yes, because I've realized that. So in the past, I found that for me, at least a half marathon was something I could train for on my own, something I had the capacity mentally to do on my own. I could go out and run 10 miles and that felt okay. So I knew that three extra miles when there's a lot of energy of a race would be fine, but I've been actually looking into run groups and I just found a friend to run with because I know that I have to surround myself with people who have a different mental state when it comes to running (laughs) because running for an extra few hours is, is something that I, I know that I need to get into my head is, is important. So I have been trying to get out of my comfort zone in my approach to my training for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, training for a full marathon, it also takes a different mentality just about the strength training that needs to be done because runners don't like to do that strength training, (laughs) but like, I think almost anybody could probably train for a 5k Mm -hmm. without getting injured. But then as you layer on those miles from the half to the full, even all those things that you do just compound themselves. And so, yeah, it it becomes a really time consuming endeavor. Yeah. And I'm lucky because I work for myself and I knew that something important for me was to allocate a lot of time. I know how much I like to be outside, whether it's running or walking or lifting or whatever it may be. So I've just made sure that in my schedule, I have ample time to do these things. 
but I have a friend who has a Peloton. So I, did, I try to cross train on that. And then I actually just got, I'm wearing it right now, but one of the whoop watches, have you heard of these? It's called what? A whoop watch. I have not. Tell us okay. about it. Okay. So it's a strap actually. It doesn't have the time or anything, Okay, but essentially you wear it. It picks up on your heart rate. You put in all of your information, your height, your weight and everything. And it tracks your sleep. It will tell you a recovery score every day. And it will tell you the amount of strain that your body can take every day. So for example, today I woke up and I was at 67% recovery. Mm -hmm. So it's a good day to push it, but not to peak. So having this little extra tool is pretty nice because especially right now for me, it helps me see, oh, my body is fine. I'm not talking myself out of a workout or no, it is a rest day. I'm not going to talk myself into a workout. Yeah. I like tools like that. My Garmin will also, I have the nine, what is it? 920, 940. It's a triathlon version. Yeah. And so it has a lot of those features. And Mm -hmm. I think it is nice for that kind of thing where it's like, it's telling you your body is not recovered enough. You're not ready to go do that hardcore workout that you were going to do. And I I think it helps people who have that hardcore mentality. It gives you permission to scale back on days that you really should be taking it a little easier. Like you don't have to take the whole day off, but let's just take it easier today. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because on some of my rest days, I'll still reach a, a decent amount of strain as I'm in recovery again. And so I'll do nothing really. I'll do some dishes. My strain goes up because that's where I'm at right now. Oh, watch says I am not allowed to do chores today. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to have because again, yeah, it's just, it's just that it takes the guesswork out of it. It just, it helps me be like, okay, most days after a cycling day, I'm capable of running, but most days after a long run, a light walk will be plenty. So yeah, it's, I've, I've been liking it. It just helps take the mental component out of it a little yeah. bit, which is nice. <laughs> now you also have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. I do. It's called, I can't wait to tell you. And I started it because so I'm 30 and in my twenties, I suffered from extreme anxiety. So on the outside, it looked extroverted and happy. And, you know, I was, I was fit. I was running I had a boyfriend. I had a job I liked, but it was crippling me from the inside. And so I got into meditation and I became a life coach and I started doing yoga and I started getting all of these mental tools that had never been taught to me in school or college. And I started to really understand my mind rather than be plagued by it. And so the name of the show came from, how have we never been taught this? I can't wait to tell everyone, you know, that you're not your thoughts or that anxiety might have a lesson or that you're not your anxiety. So it's been so fun to shed light on something that I know, at least I used to really put myself in the dark for, because I didn't know if I was alone and feeling anxious or feeling uncertain. So it's been fun to be able to get that message out. (laughs) I love that idea of just all those things that nobody ever taught us. Because there are, there's a lot of things that don't talk about or nobody bothered to tell you or, yeah. Yeah. Great concept for a show. Thank you. I know I, the thing that I talk about a lot is, or think about a lot is if someone had just said to me, you are not your thoughts that in itself would have changed my life because what was causing me anxiety for so long were just these thoughts that weren't necessarily true or mine. You know, we think 70,000 thoughts a day and I was believing every single one of them. And for me, it was, you're not enough. You should lose weight. You 
aren't good enough to do that. Well, who are you to start a business? And I was believing all of them. But if someone had just said, oh, you get to decide what you think. You don't have to think that. I would have been like, what? It would have saved me years of pain. So So what are some of the ways that people can start to apply that? Yeah. So I would say for me, meditation was really key because I was so drawn into my mental space. A thought would come, I would believe it. It would cause a visceral emotion. You know, if it was you're not fit enough. That body image was something I struggled with for a long time. I would say, okay, I have to work out today or I have to track my food. And there was so much need for control. So meditation helped give me that space between me and my thoughts. So I would just have some time to be quiet, watch them and practice the fact that I'm not my thought. I don't have to believe that. So I would say if meditation feels like something someone would be called to, it it sounds scary because when I was going through my anxiety, the last thing I wanted to do was sit down and be with myself. (laughs) That was, that was what I was running away from. But when we take that time to just slow down and come out of the fight or flight or come out of the doing, it really gives us time to assimilate what's going on. So I would say meditation. And then also just throughout the day, check in with yourself. How have I been feeling? I think that that's something that we can ask ourselves 10 times as much as we do. How am I feeling right now? am I okay? Do I feel stressed out? Have I been living in stress all week? What can I do right now? And you know, if you work a nine to five and you're at a desk all day, taking a few breaths, how am I feeling? How can I just come back into my body? How can I slow down? We're so focused on the go, 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 but just checking in. So I would say, yeah, just being mindful of how we feel. How do I feel? How can I feel joy right now? How can I feel a little bit better? And making that a priority as much as the to-do, to-do list. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea with checking in with yourself. One of my daughters the other day even took it a step further and they she called me and said, hey, do I have anything that I'm supposed to be doing right now? I'm feeling really anxious and I can't figure out why. So I just want to check with you. Do you know of anything I'm supposed to be doing right now? And I'm like, no, nobody's waiting for you to do anything. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a space that I was in for a really long time because again, it's, it's, it's okay. It is what it is, but we are taught to, to do, to add more things, to keep doing, to be productive, to live in this masculine state of being. And that's fine, but we do have to balance it out with the rest and the unplugging from our phones and the taking some time to do things that bring us joy. I used to not even be able to watch a full movie. I'd get up and start doing the dishes or I'd have to be always go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> And my partner would be like, can you just sit for a minute? It's just an hour and 20 minutes. Watch, watch this movie with me. I was going to say Star Wars. That's a lot longer than an hour and 20, but just watch this movie with me. And so that's when I kind of started to be like, okay, if I can't make it through a movie, I've got to start just taking it down a notch. So that feeling that causes anxiety isn't true that we always have to be doing something, but it feels true. So just getting to know that feeling and being like, that's not true. Right now it's okay that I sit down and I'm not on my phone while I eat lunch. <laughs> yeah. So when we first got married, my husband and I will be married 30 years in May. Wow. Well, I've been congrats. As married as long as you are old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when we first got married, I worked in the cable industry selling cable advertising. And, you know, so I sold television and I would come home at night and be like, Who are these people that watch television? It's such a waste of time. You're sitting there for hours. And now (laughs) during COVID, I have a whole new appreciation. I'm like, I binge watched the entire 
17 seasons of Grey's Anatomy yes. <laughs> since January of this year. Yes. Like, oh, all of a sudden I am one of those people that yeah. I used to, who are these people? <laughs> who has time for TV, right? I know. I know. Yeah. I think COVID was something that made us slow down. Obviously we all had to slow down and it was in itself. That was a big lesson of, okay, how can I pivot and use this, but also learn from this time that, oh, it's okay to, to take, to take a call from home or to, to be relaxed while doing my work. So yeah. I was talking to somebody today who even said, you know, after I can't remember what the thing was, I really wasn't feeling great that afternoon. And so I took a nap. Because that is one of the perks of working from home is that if you're not feeling well, you can take a nap if you need to in the middle of the day. (laughs) I, as a, as a, I work for myself, I will say naps make it into my repertoire quite, quite often. It's a nice reset. You turn your brain off, you get to rest a little bit, and then you go back to the day and you feel ready again. And I think that that's the beauty of these work from home situations because people are starting to realize, oh, I'm not lazy if I need a break. I don't need to be drinking another double espresso at 3 p.m. That's not necessary. If my body needs rest, it's okay to listen to it. It's okay to have these moments of of rest and re-nourishment, and it's necessary to be as productive as I want to be. Yeah. Well, you know, and even just the idea of taking a break to walk around the block with your dog, Mm -hmm. just what that can do for your mental state. And it doesn't take a long time, but you're going to come back to your computer or your job so much more refreshed. Couldn't agree more. Nothing like a little walk to just (laughs) turn the brain off, get into nature, get into your breathing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So on your Instagram, I saw that you had something written about owning your no. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is another area that people struggle with. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that means to own your no? Yes, I can. I think that I know people pleasing a lot. I think that it's something we all do in some capacity, but for so long I was saying yes to things that didn't bring me joy or that really drained my energy. I am a fairly extroverted person, but I like my alone time and I really replenish when I have alone time and I have boundaries. And so for me, what that started to look like was saying no to going out and drinking or saying no to late nights. And that's kind of when I started to realize, okay, where are the boundaries that I have to put up? Because especially, you know, in your twenties, it's kind of the going out phase. (laughs) And I started to realize that I was afraid to say no. What are other people going to think if I say no to not having a drink? Or if I say no to going out at night, or if I say no to meeting up at the bar at 11 PM, when usually I'm in bed by 10. (laughs) And what I realized is it's serving no one. If you're saying yes to things that don't bring you joy or give you energy, because A, you're meant to be happy. So if something feels like a no and it's not going to bring you joy, then it's okay to say no. You have to. And B, if you're thinking about it from a more grand perspective, service-wise, you can't show up how you want to in the world if you keep saying yes to things that are going to take your energy when you need to be focusing on anything else. So if you have a long run on a Sunday and someone asks you to go out to dinner on Saturday and you feel like it's a no... Don't do it just because you feel compelled. Say, I have a run in the morning. I can't, but I would love to meet you for lunch after tomorrow. How about that? So it's a no and. It can be a no and, or it can just be a no period. And 
you don't have to explain yourself. That's, that's another add on component. You don't have to say, I'm so sorry. I have a long run tomorrow. I don't know if I can stay out that late. I haven't been getting enough sleep. I used to explain in paragraphs and now it's like, Oh, I can't tomorrow night, but I would love to this time. (laughs) You You don't have to, you don't have to compensate for saying your truth. And I did that for so long and it's, it sucks you, sucks you dry. So just knowing, no, it's a no, and it's okay to be a no. And I think that's really important too, when you have other commitments, like maybe you're a mom and there's volunteer things that you have to do for soccer or theater or whatever your kid is in or um, at work, all the extra obligations that are maybe only partially related to your job, but you feel like they're part of your job. So just learning that you can say no, because every time, what is that saying about every time you say yes to something, that means you're saying no to something else because you only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. And what I realized too was in the times I said yes, when I didn't want to, I wasn't able to show up as myself. So whether that was that I was really tired and couldn't really add to the conversation or couldn't do the service work that I wanted to, or it was that I was tooty. I'm tired. I don't want to be here. I'm not giving off the happiness and the things that people want from me. So it's better to show up in the world a hundred percent then show up over and over and over again at 20%. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So what about, I think this ties into another thing that you talk about, which is leaving behind the places and things that no longer light you up. Mm. That's a hard one, especially (laughs) when, you know, whether it's a person or a relationship or a hobby that you've invested years of your life in, how do you begin to leave some of these things behind when you know that it's time? I think that the first step would be to recognize that it is going to be scary. It is going to be scary as hell. So I think we often shy away from the things that feel uncomfortable because that's how our brain is built. It's built to keep us safe and to keep us in our comfort zone, of course. But so, you know, I went through a breakup last year, right at the beginning of COVID. I was with someone for three and a half years. We traveled the country together. We moved and I knew that it was time. And was it scary? Yes. But again, it comes back to imagine staying though. Imagine, imagine staying in this. It could be a job, a person, a place. Imagine staying. No, I can't, I can't imagine. And so you have got to just get comfortable with the things that are uncomfortable. And in terms of people, I mean, in terms of anything, if it's not for you anymore, that means it's for no one involved. And I really do believe that if I'm not meant to be in this, that means that that person's not meant to either because it's no longer serving me. It must not be serving them, even if they don't want to admit it. Same with the job. You know, if I'm not able to do my job as well as I want to, then there's a reason for that. Maybe there's someone else out there for this position or what have you. But yeah, I would say just knowing it's going to be uncomfortable and being okay with that and not rushing yourself through the emotions that come up when you're changing. So as you get better, as you get more aligned with who you are, people are going to fall away. Things are going to shift. And as a human, you're not meant to stay the same. So again, it's uncomfortable. Yes. But from a soul level or a spirit level, whatever you want to call it from a a human evolution level, we are meant to keep expanding. So you might've played the piano for 10 years. You loved it as your hobby. And now you hate it. You don't even want to see it. And why make yourself sit down? Maybe there's something out there that's meant for you. And you're going to meet a new friend at a cooking class. And that's your path. But I would say 
yeah, get comfortable with getting out of your comfort zone. And this shows up in all realms. I mean, if people listening are runners, of course that's applicable, but yeah, I would say just be okay with it being difficult. (laughs) Well, you know, and I think it's really important too, when you just thinking about a job, Mm -hmm. if you are not happy in your job, then I think that you owe it to yourself and to the company you work for to start figuring out how you're going to get out of there. And I get that not everybody can just quit a job, bam, oh, I'm sick of this place, I'm out of here, but start working on your exit strategy because it's not fair to anybody for you to be there and be miserable. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So you also talk about being, we need to recognize ourselves as a vibrational energetic being. What does that mean? Oh boy. Going down the rabbit hole. Okay. (laughs) So I think that good vibes is something that's become mainstream and living vibrationally and high vibe and, and all Mm -hmm. of this stuff. So some people write it off as spiritual or too woo woo. But when I started to learn about this, I'm very logical. (laughs) So I had to understand what it means. So at the most fundamental level, we are all energy. So it looks like matter. We, we look like physical beings. We are, but we are all made up of essentially energy. So why this matters is because like we were talking about when you show up, what energy, what frequency are you resonating at? Because people, whether they're conscious of it or not, can feel that. And what you're putting out into the world is what you're going to attract back. It's like you're this walking, talking magnet. So if you're putting out the frequency of, I don't like my job, I don't have enough money, I'm unhappy, all of these scenarios that are at that same level are going to keep coming back to you. So law of attraction, you know, what you are, what you're thinking, where you're resonating is what you're going to create. And so you might get stuck in this same cycle. You know, why do I keep getting car tickets? Why do bills keep showing up? Why is my electric bill twice what it was last month? And maybe it's because you've just been thinking and you're having these thoughts, these energetic thoughts of, I don't have enough. I'll never have enough. I don't make enough money. That's energy. And you're just creating more of the same over and over. So when you recognize, oh, I am energy and I'm creating my physical world based on how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling that's so profound because you're going to start thinking to yourself, I have got to change something and it's got to be mental. It's got to be how I feel. No one often, I should say often people aren't saying, well, how do you feel? I know you have a lot of work to do, but how do you feel? Do you feel good? Feel good first, then do your work. Most people are like, get your shit done and then keep going from there. But when you recognize how you feel energetically matters more than anything else, then it's kind of fun. It's kind of nice. It takes the pressure off because of course you have work to do, but how can you start feeling a little bit better before you, before you work? You know, what's a song you can listen to on your drive to work? What can you do in the morning to give yourself five extra minutes before the kids wake up to get into a good feeling place before you keep doing the same thing over and over that might not be serving you? So I love all this stuff. I a thousand percent believe that your mindset really, really matters, but I've been seeing a lot lately about toxic positivity. Mm. Have you heard that phrase thrown around lately? I have. So how does that play into this? Because I I get that you don't want to just be, oh, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. 
how, how does this all tie together? Yes. I get this question all the time with my coaching clients too. Cause they're like, well, what if something happens? So what I would say is we all have trauma of some nature. So I had a lot of trauma that would come up, especially when I started meditating, you're kind of hit with everything that you had never been willing to see before. And so I think the best way to use your discernment is think about it like this. We'll just use a nine to five job again. If you're on your way to your nine to five job and you're having negative thoughts, you on your way to your job or when you're sitting at your work desk, that's not the time that you're going to dive into the trauma (laughs) or that's not the time for these emotions to be relevant or to be productive. So I would say, let everything come up, but you can pick and choose when you're going to get it. So I think that we are so quick to judge emotions and we don't have to do that. If you're really feeling deeply sad, let yourself feel sad. Absolutely. I'm not saying to push them aside or not feel them. Those emotions are coming up for a reason. But I would also say that, you know, 90%, a good 90% of the time we're causing self-suffering. So yes, again, let those emotions come up, let the feelings come up, but you're able to choose, okay, right now at my desk might not be the time that I want to do this. I'm going to go home and in the privacy of my home, I'm going to call it back in and I'm going to say, what was coming up for me just then? Sometimes if I have anxiety, I'll sit down in meditation and say, what is this? I'll invite it in. I'll have no judgment about it. So definitely let it in. But I would say it's just about picking and choosing. Is this something that I have to dive into? And if it feels like a yes for you, do it. You know, you could do it with a therapist or a coach or by yourself, do it. Or, you know, you're pretty, if you're aware enough, you know that you're just being, (laughs) you can tell when you're just being mopey for no reason. And you're like, would a coffee and some good music solve this? If so, I'm just going to do that. But again, yeah, there's totally deeper things that will come up, especially as you're on this journey. But I would say just picking and choosing, you know, is this something that I need to dive into? Yes. Okay. I'll do it. But just having that fine balance of when, when am I going to do it? What do I need to do? So yeah. I'd say that you don't have to be positive all the time, but overarchingly you do get to decide how you feel on a regular basis. So I think it's a great way of looking at it too, because you're not saying you can't feel your feelings because you should feel your feelings, but maybe you're choosing how to respond to those feelings. Yeah. And when you're going to deal with those, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I found that for me, at least on, on my path, I had to first instill a better mindset because I wasn't at a place where I had the emotional capacity to deal with some of the things that ended up coming up for me. So when I had a better mindset and I had a better foundation in myself of, you know, I love myself and I'm worthy, whether I do a lot of work or I don't, I had some of these new thought processes that helped me welcome in the thoughts that I had been running from or the emotions I was running from. And then it was easier to assimilate them, to let them be. Whereas when I was really anxious and depressed, I couldn't have, have done that. So I had to get myself to a better place. And then now I'm able to see, is this something I need to deal with? Or is it something that's just in my thoughts and I don't need to? So just, yeah, using that, using that. But yeah, again, I would say that a lot of it is something that you can choose, but if you need to feel it, totally feel it. There's nothing wrong with any emotion. Yeah. So you offer life coaching to people? Yeah. Can you tell people how to work with you or how to find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. So I actually just made the shift into, I was doing one-on-one coaching for four years and now I'm actually making the shift into bringing mindfulness and meditation into workspaces because I realized that a lot of people were finding me 
on Instagram through wellness hashtags. And I was like, okay, those people are already in the right space, but what about the people who don't have any access to mindfulness tools or knowing how to breathe or meditation or knowing that their thoughts are not true? Because I can't imagine being at a desk and having a to-do list and having a thought creep in of, you're never going to get this done. It's so stressful and having all of those thoughts and being at my desk and being like, what do I do? Like if not having any tools. So now I've just shifted into, if you work for a corporation or a business, then I'm going into those workplaces and I'll be bringing in meditation and mindfulness trainings and things of that nature, which is exciting. So how does that work in a corporate type setting? Is it still one-on-one or is it more group coaching that you're doing? Yeah. So it's more group coaching. So usually it'll be an hour long seminar or talk. It could be virtual or in person. And it's just an introduction to meditation because I find that a lot of people write off meditation. I did. I know for a very long time. And so it's a little bit about meditation isn't as scary or as out there as it seems. And in fact, when you can come out of these stress out brain waves, it's going to be a catalyst to you being more productive. So it's a little bit of a meditation an introduction to meditation and mindfulness. And from there, it's four to six trainings after where people can come in, they can learn more if they feel called to, and they can also do more meditation if that feels like something that's helping them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Is there anything that you want to tell people that I didn't ask? No, I think just that you are the creator of your reality. So if you want to get better at running, you can do it. You can think better thoughts and you can feel better and you can do whatever you want to. And you know, the money is there. The people that you need are there. The opportunities you need are there. Everything is there for you and and you get to decide and yeah, just happiness is available to you. And if you don't feel happy right now, I feel that, but you can get there and yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great (laughs) message for where we are right now, where for a lot of parts of the country, we're kind of starting to get on the tail end of COVID, hopefully. Yeah. I know where I live, our mask mandate just got lifted today. So exciting. And my daughter lives in New York and they are 100% open as of July 1st, I think. So, I mean, the world is going back to some version of what we would have called normal. Yeah. So I think that's a great message. Just you can create your reality. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kim. It was so great to chat. Thank you. It was nice talking to you too. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.